Hello and welcome to WWJT. My name is Andrew Noble. Normally I'm joined by Joel Jacob. Unfortunately, he's unavailable. He's working hard at his company. He is occupied there. Um, plus I have some things going on for my family that has decreased my availability. So we aren't connected today. And so in lieu of a normal podcast where the two of us get together, um, there's going to be two parts to this. First, I'm going to read something I wrote about Bible meditation. Then I'm going to reflect on how technology can help us better intake scripture. So let's jump in. The neglected practice of Bible meditation, living on the bread of God. Which is more commended by scripture? A, a daily 15 minute quiet time with Bible reading, or B, a throughout the day reflection on scripture. Take a pick. Here's my answer. In support of A, the devotional 15 minutes, you have a couple passages. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says of God, morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The alarm clock for Isaiah was an audio Bible, you could say. But that's descriptive rather than prescriptive. You also have, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. We know bread was a central part of every meal, not just once per day. So this living on every word that comes from the mouth of God is not just daily, but multiple times a day. Similarly, Daniel and David pray three times a day though they say nothing of scripture intake. And that's it. Those are the best arguments for A. There's really no call in scripture to practice a daily devotional time. So it's not about daily bread, but rather living bread. It's not wrong to have a daily devotional. It's very good. It's just at risk of missing the point. We should live on God's word. That's the point. We should saturate ourselves in scripture throughout the day as a tree does in soil. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, say this in the ESV. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. End quote. Hear that again. It, think about this. It, it, takes longer than 15 minutes to practice what is commended here. I agree with Jen Wilkin, who says the daily 15-minute devotional is not the goal. She says it'd be better for people to spend 45 minutes in God's Word a couple times a week than it would be to spend 15 minutes daily. So how do we reflect on God's Word? I used to be part of a non-denominational and loosely brethren church. As a normal practice, church members were given the opportunity to preach, and so I, alongside a few others, would preach anywhere from two to six times per year. We found that reflecting on a single passage of scripture, 
week after week in preparation, was a deeply spiritual and life-giving exercise. This was something that was different. It was something different to this level of commitment to a single text that was not true of my daily audio Bible or my weekly Bible study. I would think about the practice that I would think about the passage in the shower, on drives, while with my kids, in study in comparison with commentaries, and before I went to bed, internalizing the nuances of what the text did and did not say. I worry that many of my fellow Christians are missing out on this practice of deep biblical reflection. So how do we practice it? How to practice Bible meditation? Let the Bible fill all the in-between moments of your day. That's the beauty and challenge of this practice. It's not about reflecting on God's truth in every second. You, you still need to think about other things too. It's about prolonging the taste of bread. You are likely practicing some of this already when you recall a sermon with a friend, reflect on a passage from Bible study on the way home, or use your Bible's app's uh, daily verse feature. Dr. Kelly Capick says this, quote, We sometimes make meditating on Scripture sound too difficult, too sophisticated, too spiritual for those of us who are not super saints. But meditating is just taking a biblical truth, like the Lord is near, and savoring it throughout their, our day, thinking about it, resting in its assurance, allowing the thought to run over us like a purifying stream on a hot summer day. These truths often take a while to move into our souls. So we must spend time with and rest in them. End quote. I encourage you to meditate on scripture. Take advantage of your commutes, errands, and chores. Turn off distractions during these times. Turn on an audio Bible and put it on repeat. Try to memorize a text or section of scripture. Stick it on your fridge or by your bedside. Replace your fluffy live, laugh, love artwork with scripture for the sake of all that is good. Read the same verse multiple times, emphasizing a different word each time. Or imagine discussing a passage with someone else. Better yet, discuss a passage with someone else, whether by text or call or face-to-face. -face. Or grab a blank piece of paper or scripture journal and write out some thoughts with each verse. Or pray each verse, as Donald Whitney would commend us to do. Meditate on scripture. Chew on the words that come from God's mouth. But can technology help with this? Can technology help with our Bible intake? You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments, but have you heard of the Ten Ways of Remembering the Ten Commandments? Yes, this is, this is a list too. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, there is a list of the Ten Ways Israel was to remind themselves of God's laws and decrees. You've heard this already in terms of this passage, but let me go through it in these ten parts. One, most centrally, the commands are to be on your hearts. Two, impress them on your children. Three, talk about them when you sit at home. Four, talk about them when you are on the walk along the road. Five, talk about them when you lie down. Six, 
Talk about them when you get up. Seven, tie them as symbols on your hands. Eight, bind them on your foreheads. Nine, write them on the door frames of your houses. Ten, write them on your gates. This list is repeated in Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 to 21. The repetition implies importance. Don't get me wrong, the Ten Commandments are the most important, but we should not neglect the ten ways of remembering, reflecting, and meditating on God's commands. And we can apply these verses, these ways, to modern door frames and modern gates, iPhone screens, smart home devices, and Bluetooth audio. But first, let me just say up front that while I bring a printed Bible to church and I see good reasons to do this, I, I think Christians should be encouraged to leverage technology to aid in Bible meditation and intake. I agree with Trevor Wax, who says, quote, I'm not pro-Bibles online as a replacement for engaging the Bible in print. We need to be aware of the losses we will experience if we shift to online Bible reading as the primary or only way we encounter the Bible, end quote. So keep the written word. It's important. It's useful. It's valuable. But feel free to add to it as long as you have some careful assessment of the impacts the other forms of technology might make. Here are three basics of assessing any technological medium. First, the medium shapes the message. Think about it. Would you rather have a handwritten sticky note saying, I love you, or a simple text message? The content might be the exact same, but the sticky note, with its imperfect handwriting, took more effort and remains as a permanent artifact to touch and to hold. See, God wanted a written word, not just an audible one, so that he would be clear. See Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, where he explains this, or in Deuteronomy 27, verse 8, where it's stated explicitly. The same content takes a different meaning when delivered through different technologies. The medium shapes the message. And second, the medium shapes you. As the authors of one study demonstrated, increased use of the internet-capable computers, it, it has an impact on three things. It has an impact on attentional capabilities, or ca capacities, I should say, as the constantly evolving stream of online information encourages divided attention at the expense of sustained concentration, but also memory processes as we, re as we increasingly rely on external brains instead of our own. Just ask a 20-year-old if he can recall his mom and dad's cell phone number from heart. And, and also, this impacts social cognition as we increasingly view ourselves and others through the lens of a screen. The medium shapes you, which brings me to the next point. Third, the medium is neither sorely good or bad or neutral, but it is good. So these three, these three basics of assessing any technology, uh, technological medium. First, the medium shapes the message. Second, the medium shapes you. And third, the medium is neither solely good or bad or neutral, but it is good. Tony Ranke and John Dyer have written extensively, extensively on the idea of technology being good. 
since God's purpose was for us to fill creation, cultivating and stewarding it, and since God's people one day reign not in a garden but in a city, we should be tech optimists, seeing the nature of technology as fundamentally good, though tainted by sin. The printed Bible itself has limitations to it. Since, you know, it has those added verse and chapter numbers, as well as those subheadings, those were not inspired by God. And throughout church history, the normative way to access God's word was to listen to it rather than it being read. So treat God's word as primary, the content itself, and the form of God's word as an important secondary consideration. But if there is opportunity through digital devices to intake this primary thing of God's word, we should take advantage of it. We should go, we should write God's decrees on our digital devices. According to Bible scholars, the Jews took these 10 ways, the 10 ways I referenced earlier about the 10 ways that we should remember and meditate on the God's laws, those 10 ways, they took those 10 ways literally. They had phylacteries and, and mezuzotes, these boxes that were attached to their doorposts and, and boxes attached even in between their eyes and their foreheads, and they contained the Shema and principal texts. The ten ways move from the private individual to a family setting and then to public society, from in your hearts to in your conversations, and then to physical manifest manifestations readily viewable by others and ourselves. I've made a personal rule, aka a, a scruple, to never read Twitter until I've read a chapter of scripture first. I've done this on my phone. I'm okay with reading the Bible on my phone. It, it is a place where scripture is by my bedside every night, just as a Jewish person would pass through a doorway of scripture before entering into the world. So too, I pass through a chapter, I pass through a chapter of scripture before entering into the online world. I also read my Bible app's daily verse. There are limitations, of course, to reading a single Bible verse since you might miss the important context surrounding it. But God didn't expect the Israelites to recite the whole Torah every time they talked about it or every time they passed by the gate. It's good to memorize just verses and to be reminded of them too. I used to fear that seeing an individual verse in the midst of my Twitter scrolling or YouTube watching on my phone, that that would diminish the respect I had of scripture. What if I treat God's word in the same way as I treat a message from a friend about a basketball game? Or worse, treating God's word like a spam email message that pops up on my phone. What if I build a habit of ignoring God's word? This is a risk. The medium is not neutral. It shapes us, and we need to be aware of how our use of the medium is going to affect us and how that medium is going to affect the message. So I do respect those people who choose to avoid digital scripture. But for myself, as I've said, I use scripture before I use Twitter. It is my gate to pass through, or my doorway, I should say, to pass through. I see the value of digital devices for scripture. Intake. So lastly, let's close off with some ideas for saturating your digital world with scripture. 
First, I'll discuss audio options, then social media use, and then how to use various websites. So let's talk. start with audio. I mean, one thing is to listen to good podcasts, like perhaps some that exist out there. Definitely not this one. Do we ever talk about scripture? I guess we do. Anyways, first, audio options. If you have a smart home device like Alexa or Google Home, then you can have your device read scripture to you in the midst of your cleaning and errands. There are also plenty of free audio Bibles that exist. You can subscribe to a podcast that goes through the Bible in a year with some commentary at the end. You can use a website like BibleGateway.org or download an audio Bible app like Uversion or the ESV mobile app. For more options with your audio Bible experience, I do recommend the Dwell Bible app. It offers 10 plus voices, background music options, and a ton of customizations for listening plans and preferences. No, they did not sponsor this episode. Um, we're not at that point. Um, but I used to use this every day on my commute to work. I, I changed the settings so that it would pause at the end of every chapter. Um, it, the music wouldn't pause, the background music that they have, but just for 30 seconds at the end of the chapter to leave time for reflection and prayer. Okay, what about social media use? Can you impart scripture into there? Well, if you say, I just go on social media for X and not for scripture, you are at risk of disobeying Deuteronomy 6.8. There's no reason why talking about God's commands shouldn't include our digital conversations. Perhaps you might say Instagram and Pinterest would be exceptions since they're so overwhelmingly image-based that scripture doesn't fit as well. But how might those places be more godly if they are more infused with God's word? If you're on Twitter, you can follow people like John Piper, who pretty much only post scripture or a daily Bible account. If you're on Reddit, then you could subscribe to good communities that give you biblical content, like the Reformed community on Reddit, for a more healthy content um, to, to interrupt some of the other content that might not be as fruitful, fulfilling, or important. Ultimately, we need to ask ourselves a question. Do the accounts I follow on social media better represent the identity I have on earth or the identity God has of me in heaven? What about Bible tools? There's a lot of power in apps like Logos and Accordance. They are expensive, but they help you dive deeper into the complexities and nuances of God's word. There's a couple free versions of those cool Bible apps like uh, BibleHub.com is a good one. I make use of John Dyer created something called Bible Web App, um, which has been used by over millions. Then you also have two translations that you might not have heard of, but they're very helpful websites for diving into scripture, like the NET Bible, the Net Bible, as well as the Y'all version, which uh, takes any second person plural and puts it into Y'all so that we don't mistranslate and misunderstand that. I know that the Version Bible app is far and away the most popular app, and some of the gimmicks in it, well, they, they're gimmicks, and whether that be the reading streaks or the notifications to, oh, start this new reading plan, it's it's crafted by this famous Christian celebrity. You know, they are gimmicks, but a new version has gamified the Bible app to make it more addictive. But is that really so wrong? You know, many things that they have done are good, and I'm glad for them. I enjoy the social integration and the ease of use. I think it's not wrong to use that app. It is good to use that app. We just need to be aware of how that medium is going to shape us and how that medium might even shape the message we receive, that we might treat it as less authoritative, we might see it as less important, and we might 
get distracted from it more easily when we are consuming it on our digital devices in the same way that we consume, quote unquote, content um, from the online world. The Bible is not there for you to subscribe to some platform, but it's there for you to worship a holy God. And if we treat content improperly from God's word, and we try to make it too similar to the content that we see, say, on our Facebook feed, we're going to have problems. And yet, we should still be using Bible in the midst of our conversations, and that includes online. So in closing, with any technology, be aware of its limits. Be aware how the medium is shaping the message. Be aware how the medium is shaping you. The Bible app and any Bible technology is good. And it's better than 95% of the other apps that are going to be on your phone. I encourage you, whether it's the physical doorframe of your house or the doorframe of your iPhone, um, in terms of the wallpaper you see, to give yourself scripture upon your eyes so that you might glorify God. This has been Andrew Noble speaking on using the Bible and using technology to help us saturate ourselves in scripture. Um, And uh, this has been WWJT, What Would Jesus Tech? Encouraging you to use tech to find rest and to glorify God. Happy to hear from you. If you have any thoughts about this episode, we hope to get back together, me and Joel, next week. Uh, But for now, take care.